Welcome to the Hidden Wire podcast, episode 1017. This is my interview with marketing maven, Paige Unoffend. Paige, welcome to the Hidden Wire podcast. Great to have you here today. So good to connect and I'm, I'm so glad you've reached out. Um, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Uh, marketing, I won't say guru, but I, I just did. <laughs> marketing guru, you've, you've been in the marketing field for, for some time now, is that right? Absolutely. I joined Procter & Gamble in their headquarters that's in, in Cincinnati, Ohio in 1990 as a summer intern and I've been in marketing ever since. 1990. You know, it seems like you know, it's a different century. It was a different world. Yeah. Well, you've got you've, you've obviously seen the the time shift, no doubt, with marketing. Um, has there been any any major shifts that you've noticed since you know nineteen ninety to today? Other than obviously the digital platforms that we get to use to expose ourselves. Well, in some ways, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I think a lot of the marketing basics still apply. Yeah. But the world has changed absolutely so much. You know, when I joined Procter & Gamble back then, the only real media outlets were radio, television, newspapers, direct mail, and, um, you know, outdoor advertising. That That's where people spent their budget 100%. Yeah. And when I, you know, when I was a child here in the U.S., you had like three major networks and public television. And when they went off the air at night, you just had like a color grid on your screen. <laughs> you know, look fast forward to today and all the, you know, media options, online, offline, cable, streaming, 24-7, everything, news, sports, you know, you, you almost can't escape all the marketing around you. I, I read in a research paper that we are exposed to something like over 5,000 messages every day. Wow. And that's just living your life, you know, walking from your house to the subway, to your office, to get coffee, to run errands. You're just bombarded with marketing everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it used to be, you know, I guess marketing for me and my understanding of it is, you know, you want to get people's attentions with what you do. So whatever you're selling, whether it's you're, you're an entrepreneur or you've got a product or whatever. Um, do you think now with with how things have changed as far as the the um, the reality that we can expose ourselves so across so many platforms and so many messages coming to us every single day, do you think the mind is capable of consuming that messages? Because how do... I just wonder, like, if I'm getting exposed to 5,000 messages a day, there's no chance in heck that I'm remembering what those messages were. <laughs> That's why it's really important to have a brand, because if you're just a commodity, you're competing on price, and no one's going to remember you. They're just going to buy you because you're the cheapest. And that's why I think branding today is almost more important now than ever. Mm. But you have to be able to stand out. And when you're building a brand, whether it's online or offline, you want to stand for something and be consistent yeah. so that everything, all the key messages, all the key benefits that you're, whether you're a product or a service, that you, you, you are consistent in reinforcing those, those core messages in everything that you do. Yeah. That consistency piece has always been the case, hasn't it? You know, you want your marketing message to be consistent with what you're actually offering. Absolutely. And I think now with all the social media platforms, you know, some people, I think initially when social media took off, they wanted to be kind of 
cool on one platform and professional on a different one and kind of snarky on a different one, you know, and one was kind of their wild side and one was more buttoned up. Right. You can't really do that when you're trying to build a strong brand because you're diluting your message and you're confusing your audience and you're not building trust because they don't know which version of you is going to show up. Right. So the important thing today in this digital world that we live in is that you build a strong foundation for a consistent brand and that you live that brand every day in every place so that if they find you on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter or on your website or if they're calling and get your voicemail, that all of those brands tie together and they know, you know, a brand is a consistent, it's, it's a promise of an experience. And I think the best brands mm. are... The ones that when you show up, you know what you're going to get and you can build that relationship. I love that. A brand is a promise of an experience. Um, I mean, if you can keep that just on your wall there or in the back of your mind, that'll really help you when you're creating something, isn't it? Well, I mean, think about it. If you show up at McDonald's or Starbucks, you know what to expect. You know what's on the menu. You know what it's going to look like. You know what it's going to taste like. And if every time you showed up, it was just like a roulette machine, you know, they wouldn't have the the following and they wouldn't have lasted and had so many fans the way they do. That's just the way. And you do, you think about like McDonald's and um, God, we shouldn't be eating there so much, but um, it's, um, they've done it really well. You know, they've done that brand piece and that consistency really well. Um, Whereas you can go to some cafes or or smaller businesses and if they don't know what they're doing, you, you get that inconsistency and it's really frustrating to a point where you don't go back. Right. You go because you like found something you really liked on the menu and you liked the way it was decorated and you liked the experience there, the music, you liked the furniture, it's comfortable. And then the next time you went back, it was a completely different menu and you didn't recognize anybody and it was different experience. Hmm. You know, you're not going to build a strong following that way. Same with Apple, you know, like I just think of Apple, like how well they do it. Um, Absolutely. And, and, you know, these great brands, they do it with every sense, what you see, what you smell, what you taste, what you feel. You know, the, the scent of an Apple store is consistent, whether you go there in Sydney or New York or Los Angeles or Milan, the visuals are very similar. Yeah. And, you know, the great brands, if you show their logo without the word, the, you know, the outline yeah, of yeah. Coca-Cola, the, the, the kind of outline of a Coca-Cola bottle or the swoosh of Nike or the golden arches of McDonald's, it doesn't have to say Nike or McDonald's or Coke. You know what that brand is. Yeah, and you know exactly what to expect. Exactly. Um, so well, well done to you know those companies creating. I suppose for us uh, smaller guys, entrepreneurs or small business owners uh, like myself, um, creating that brand is the trick. And I think, and maybe this is something you can sort of reflect on, but because of the digital age, because we've got now you know things at our fingertips, we, we're less likely to find a marketing expert like yourself to go to and say, "Hey, this is what I want to do. This is can you help me create that brand." Rather, we're all trying to do it ourselves now, and maybe we have the tools to do that, but I think a lot of us are just, you know, winging it, basically. Well, I think there are a lot of people winging it, but I think there are some influencers and some folks online 
that you can follow yeah. and kind of, you know, they can become kind of uh, influencers for you. Then you can model, take their advice. I mean, I think a lot of people follow people like Seth Godin or David Meerman Scott, you know, um, they're terrific. My old boss at Coca-Cola, yep. Sergio, and I mean, there are iconic people who have written a lot. They've published a lot. New York Times, Wall Street Journal, best-selling uh, books. They blog. They tweet. Mm. And, so, you know, you can follow these people and track them and learn kind of their secrets and take their advice. You know, I put a ton of content out on my website. Yeah. I'm constantly trying to share tips and ideas and give examples. I put case studies up there. Because I feel like, you know, I do want to be a resource. And I think some of the best marketers I know, they're very generous with their ideas and their experience. And yes, you know, you are giving it away. But I think for people that can afford it, if they want your advice on a higher level, they'll come back and they'll remember that, wow, you know, I, I had a client once that said to me, you know, you gave away so much for free. I wondered if I paid for it, how much more I could learn. Yeah. And I think that great attitude not everybody can pay for it but when people can at least they know what they're getting because they've been watching these people kind of stalking them online a little bit and they know that you know again they built a consistent brand they share very generously and so when they're ready to pull the trigger they know who they want to hire they know who they want to you know meet with or follow or go talk to because they've already experienced it Hmm. What would be one, um, you know, word of caution that you'd give to someone out there um, looking to start a brand? Like what what would you ask them to avoid or on the alternative, what would you ask them to, to do? So you don't exist today unless you can be found online. Yep. So number one, you, you know, Google yourself and you better find out what comes up because before people talk to you, meet with you, you know, the first thing they're going to do is check you out. And if there's digi digital dirt on you, you better know what it is. Digital dirt. <laughs> With a name like mine, you know, I've got a hyphenated last name. I have kind of a unique name for my company. Yeah. If you go me, it's really going to come up and it's really going to be me. It's not like John Smith or Bob Jones, you know. So, you know, if people see things they like, then that's great. If they see, you know, if you... If uh, you come up a little sketchy, they may not want to return the call. They may not want to meet with you or join you on your podcast or whatever. So the the thing you really need to know is, do you have um, do you know what's out there in terms of your digital footprint, and are you comfortable with it? And if you're not, you need to really from the ground floor start building a very solid digital presence. You know, everybody should be on LinkedIn because I think that's kind of the foundation of building trusted relationships online today. Yeah. And, you know, whether you blog or tweet or you have your own, even if it's a single page website, it can be very simple. It can be WordPress. You don't have to have a fancy, you know, website with all these bells and whistles, but make sure it's clean and professional and that you clean up well online. That's, that is like my biggest tip. And then as we talked about before, it's really important that all the, the images that are out there on you 
tie together and tell a consistent story. Yeah. You don't want to damage or dilute your brand. You know, if Facebook shows you on spring break at the beach, scantily clad, you know, doing things that maybe aren't so flattering, and then your LinkedIn, you're all buttoned up and trying to act like you're an expert or thought leader, that's not really helping you. Mm. So, you know, make sure that you're consistent, that you're you're telling an authentic story where you can really stand out. Like, be yourself and, you know, figure out what those unique talents and skills, what do you bring to the table and really highlight that. Share what you know, what you're great at, what your passions are. You put it out there and be consistent. People will realize and appreciate that and you'll build your own fan base. Yeah. There's so many different platforms. We'll probably you know, touch on that today, but let's just go back to, to setting up a brand. Um, you touch on you know this sort of piece of authenticity setting up your brand. And I wonder, I mean, is it, because a lot of people go out there and they go, this is a good idea, and then they jump online and they're very much influenced by external measures rather than internally guided, um, which I think is a bit of a mistake. Um, but I mean, should they be looking at the brand from an external perspective as far as like, this is my product or service, what do the customers want, and then set it up like that? Or should they sort of look at it from, this is my product and service, and this is what I stand for, this is how I'm going to set it up? So I think, you know, you want to kind of, great brands are built from the inside out, but they have to be relevant to the outside world too. So in a perfect world, you know, you figure out, you figure out what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, where the biggest opportunities are and what the market, like the, every um, industry has a competitive landscape. And so who are, who are the competitors? And what real estate do those competitors already own in your potential customer's mind? And what real estate is up for grabs? Mm. And what what can you own that's, that would be uniquely great for you? So what is it about your industry, your um, niche, that you know really is special and you have some unique twist yeah. that you can value? And don't spread yourself too thin. Um, you know, for me personally, I'm not on Facebook, I'm not on Pinterest, I'm not on Instagram. I really focus on LinkedIn. Yeah. Because for me, that is the kind of uh, place where my clients are looking for me. Personally, I never started a blog myself. I like contributing to other people's blogs. I think another pitfall that people get into is, you know, they, they set up all these profiles, they set up a blog and the first week they blog like four times. Right. And then by the third week, they're only blogging like, like once, given up. twice. <laughs> and then a month later, they've already gotten bored and quit. And again, you're diluting your brand. You're losing, you're trying to build trust and build a relationship. Yeah. And a relationship, you're going to consistently show up whether it's weekly or bi-weekly or monthly or quarterly, let your audience know, here's who I am, here's what I'm great at, you're gonna hear from me on this schedule, and then live up to it. Mm. You, have, you have to communicate and be authentic and be consistent. Yeah, I think the consistency, not only of the message, but of what you're producing needs to be, um, you know, the same thing, consistent. You can't start a blog and do three posts and then, just put one out here and there. Um, 
I mean, if that's your strategy to put one out here and there, I guess that would probably work. No, but I mean, you're you're sending a signal that you're kind of spacey or flighty or right. you know that you can't be counted on. And so, if you're building an audience, the people we talked about before, they're blogging and tweeting and posting constantly. Yeah, they've got a schedule and they're sticking to that schedule. Yeah. And again, if you don't want to do it daily, that's fine. But if you tell people it's going to be a weekly newsletter, you got to send it out every week. It might be a quarterly newsletter. It doesn't matter. But whatever you say you're going to do, you need to deliver on your promise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I think there's a lot of brands out there that start off and they're not creating it from a internal perspective they're saying i think this is what they want so that's how i'm going to approach it and um you can get very unstuck there i think if you you know create something that you're not aligned with yourself because if you're not aligned with it people will see through that no question and also i think a lot of brands get lost in the fact that they want to promote their features here's this new shiny thing and let me tell you about this and here's what you know and they're getting all caught up in the features yeah but wait what your customer cares about is what's in it for them. They want to know what the benefit is. They don't really care about all the shiny objects. What you need to do is focus on the message that they, what do they want to hear about? Hmm. How are you going to save them time or save them money or make their life more convenient in some way? That's what really matters to your customer. Not that you have some whiz bang flashy you know, new toy, that's kind of an afterthought. You need to focus on why are they looking for you? How can you help them? What is in it for your customer, not what is in it for you? Yeah, yeah. So focus on the benefits um, to the customer, not the features. Bingo. Yeah. Interesting. So when, when um, just another thought you might be able to reflect on for us, when I see people starting up a brand product service, um, maybe they, I don't know, I just feel like people make it overcomplicated. I'm the other opposite of the spectrum. I just go out there and do it and make mistakes and try and find tune on the way. Um, I'm not, you know, very detailed and that's probably my, my downfall, but it's also my strength because I, I just do things, you know? Um, and because now when you're creating a brand, you're going, okay, I need an Instagram page, a LinkedIn page, a website, blah, blah, blah. You know, the list goes on and on and they're trying to get everything together before they actually launch. And I think that's probably a big problem for a lot of people because then they spend all this time and money getting things ready and then they launch and there's just silence. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think you have to put a stake in the ground and listen and learn and you pivot and you course correct and you learn as you go. Yeah. I think, again, don't spread yourself too thin. Remember when Amazon started Amazon started, their, their tagline was they were the world's biggest bookseller. All they sold were books. That's it. And then they built a relationship. And, you know, this is in the early days of e-commerce. You know, they had to, you had to build trust so that people would give you a credit card number. Yeah. So they would send you a book. And yeah. that worked. People got used to it. And then they branched out into music. And so people started buying music on there. And now you buy everything in your life from Amazon. Like, you know, and think of Oprah Winfrey. When she started, you know, she was a journalist and a talk show host. That's all she did. 
and then she had a book group and then she started a magazine and mm. then, so you know you have to take baby steps you walk before you run yeah once you build a relationship once you build the trust you can expand your footprint and make your brand bigger yeah you know, richard Branson, you know the virgin brand it started with one virgin company mm. and it now there's Virgin a million businesses, but you trust him. You realize if he can, you know, run an airline and he can, you know, have a good soda and he's got a money product, you know, Virgin's got um, hotels. You trust him because you know what that brand experience is going to be. Yeah, it's a rep. It's his. You know, that's the brand he's built. So I think whether you're a personal brand, a business product a service start small and grow as your your relationship grows listen to your customer what else do they need how else can you help them mm. and then grow from there but don't try and do everything at once no no and that's i think um you know useful advice but then where do they start i mean do they just start by you know talking to i think you know you start by talking to people really but do they need a website straight away or just a Facebook page would do? Well, you can start with, you know, your inner circle of people that know you best and you could do some research really quick and dirty with Zoomerang or SurveyMonkey and ask people, you know, what are the first three words that come up when you think about me? What do you think my strengths are? Mm. You know, everybody has that friend that you go to who's like your tech friend. And when you're going to buy a new computer or you're looking at software, you have that go-to person that you trust. So that person could set up a technology consulting business and hang out a shingle. And they've got a lot of people that have built relationships over you know, time. So that person really has the essence of a brand if they wanted to monetize it hmm. you know like i said i've been in marketing for decades yeah you know I, I started in big corporate marketing then i ran marketing at three startup companies all three of the startups had positive exits and then 20 years ago i hung out a shingle to do marketing as an entrepreneur as a consultant and you know i again it's baby steps and you know, by the time I hung out a shingle and started my business, I knew people knew me as a marketing person. They trusted me. And I had a track record of taking businesses, these startups that no one had ever heard of. And all three of them either went public, they were sold. And, you know, there are a couple that are like billion dollar businesses now, household names. So, you know, figure out what it is that you're good at. What, you know, what is uniquely you hmm. and that people agree? Yeah. Um, if you if you do that survey and what comes back is 50 different things, well, that's going to tell you something, too. Maybe <laughs> you're not the kind of person. Maybe you're not the entrepreneur. Maybe you're the behind the scenes person. Hmm. If people say that you're very organized, that you know how to get things done. That, you know, maybe you're the chief operating officer. Maybe you're the inside person and somebody else is the outside person. Yeah. So, again, you have to know what your strengths are. What are you good at? Not everybody 
um, can be kind of a salesperson. Some people have to be the research person. Yeah. You know, so figure out where where your skill set is the best match. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember doing that a while back, actually just asking, reaching out to not so much family. I don't think family always give you the right answers. Um, but, you know, friends that are, are fairly honest with you. Um, yeah. I, and you probably know it anyway. You know, you get the answers back and you go, yeah, that, that's pretty much what I would have said. But it's just harder to say yourself, obviously. But you do need to be careful because if you ask people like your mom or your best friend or your sibling, they might not want to hurt your feelings. And so they might not be honest. Hmm. I think better if you talk to people who are in your target audience. So when I did market research with a Zoomerang or a SurveyMonkey, I went to people who owned small businesses. And I said, if I were to set up a consulting firm, here are the kind of things I might offer. What on this list do you think I could help you do? Yeah. And make give them a list of 20 things, and five things were on everybody's list. Well, why don't you start with those five? Hmm. But you know, if you, it's it, there's a saying here that says nobody wants to tell you your baby's ugly. You know, I had a client say say to me, "Oh, I did market research, and everybody loves my idea." And I thought it was a terrible idea. And I said, that's so interesting. I'd love to see the questionnaire you sent and who you sent it to. And the, the um, guy who, who, who was talking to me said, oh, I just talked to you know, my brother, my uncle, my neighbor, a friend, and I told them the business and they all said, oh, that's great, you should do it. And I said, you know, the problem is it's like garbage in, garbage out. If you're not asking the right people the right question, what you're collecting is kind of trash. It mm. doesn't, it's not going to reflect a good business model. And, you know, you have to talk to people that are voting with their wallets. And if they're not willing to spend money on it, it doesn't matter what your next door neighbor says. Like, <laughs> I'm in real estate, so I know that very well when a, a property owner tells me that their friends and family and gardener tell them that their home's worth X amount um, when they're getting offers well below, you know, you sort of go, okay, well, who's actually buying your property? It's not, none of those people. And that's a, you know, just a easy example to relate to, I think, for a lot of people. Um, you get it all the time. What, what do you do when you're creating a brand? Like I've got a brand myself, um, but I'm also the person of that brand. Is it, is it, is there any pointers you'd give us as far as combining the two or separating the two, anything we should be cautious of? So whether it's you and your real estate business or me and my marketing business, by definition, you know, you represent your brand. You know, your company uh, may not be your name. Like my company is not my name, but people associate Mavens and Moguls with me personally. So I am kind of a walking poster, if you will, yeah. uh, poster child for the business. So I think you have to realize you have to look your brand and live your brand kind of inside and out every day. Um, you know, I, I feel like, you know, if you, again, are building this very professional, like let's say in your real estate business, you, you are a luxury real estate person and very, you know, big ticket homes, high net worth individuals. If every time somebody saw you, you were wearing like, 
sweatpants and a baseball cap and you looked like you had just come from the gym, it's not really the right image for the brand you're trying to build. Hmm. And so you have to think about it every time you leave your house, whether you're going you know, to meet a client, whether you're going to lunch with a friend, whether you're you know, going to run errands, you have to look the part because, you know, again, you can't compartmentalize your life. I'm not saying you need to wear a suit to go work out at a gym, but I think the clothes you wear at the gym should look like somebody that would be appealing to a high net worth individual. Yeah. Like, yeah, you got to align things to a point. Bingo. Hmm. So I feel like, you know, you have to kind of live your brand because otherwise, again, it's going to be inconsistent and people aren't going to trust you. Like if you have the wrong image, the car you drive, the clothes you wear, it's just, um, it's a disconnect. And I think it raises more questions. And again, you want to build a relationship and you want to build trust. So the more you can kind of plant those seeds and and tell that story consistently, the easier it's going to be to build a strong brand. Yeah, and I suppose when you're, you know, like myself and you, yourself included, when you're the person behind the brand, your brand will evolve, evolve with your, your traits. So if you're really, you know, all about uh, communication or something, your brand will slow people start to recognize that your brand actually means, you know, communic- good communication, for example. Is that right? Absolutely, definitely. Yeah. So uh, I know a woman CEO in Los Angeles in a very male dominated field. And um, she's, she's got a great personality. Um, she, her favorite color is red. And uh, she drives a red car. Every time she goes to an event, she's wearing the color red. Her business cards are red. When she's at an event and they have a table, it's always decorated red. And she's a woman in a male-dominated field. And when they got together at big conferences and whatnot, even online on Zoom, you're dealing with like all these men wearing basically the same kind of outfit. And she shows up with a red shirt or a red jacket She's gonna stand out, and as you said, it's like she embodies her her business. It's mm. like she is that brand. You can pick her out of a room. When you see her coming, you know who she is and where she's coming from. Yeah, and that's a huge competitive advantage. If you walk into a place with three hundred men in dark suits and one woman in red, who are you gonna remember? Without a doubt, it's gonna be her. You sometimes have to make a choice, you know, of where to draw that line. Like I'm a bit of a, a hippie at heart from Cairns, far north Queensland in Australia. Um, you know, we grew up with no shoes and walking around in that sort of situation, which I still don't mind doing. <laughs> but you've got to then go, okay, well, is that consistent with my brand? What is it going to look like if I walk down the street with no shoes on? Uh, it wouldn't be good. So there's certain things that we have to sort of not hide necessarily, but just not do openly. Well, I I think you need to be authentic to yourself. Yeah. There are situations where it's probably completely appropriate to be barefoot and whatever. But in like, um, you know, when I've done some personal brain coaching with CEOs who say to me, well, on a Sunday morning, 
sometimes I just roll out of bed and I just run to the grocery or drugstore. And it's always so funny when I run into somebody, one of my clients or, you know, uh, somebody from the office. Yeah. You know, the problem is you're thinking, oh, I'm not even going to brush my hair. I'm just going to throw on a baseball cap and I'm going to walk in with my flip flops and my sweatpants. The problem is once you've seen that, you can't not see it. You know what I mean? It's like all these meetings now on Zoom. Some people have been doing their meetings like in their bedroom, kind of it's a mess. You see the unmade bed. You know, I think I'm not saying you have to be in a suit and tie and totally buttoned up, but you should have a professional Zoom environment yeah. for your for your meetings now. So well, let's be honest, there's plenty of backdrops you can choose from anyway. <laughs> exactly. They do not need to see your unmade bed. No. You can put a virtual background. You know, you can brush your hair. You can wear a clean T-shirt or a shirt with a collar. Um, that's completely fine. But, you know, if you if people, like, after two years of, you know, COVID, if now we go back to a, you know, new normal where you're in an office again, and you've been seeing someone in their pajamas for two years, it's going to be a little weird if they show up in a three-piece suit. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. The, um, so you've got a website there, Mavens and Mongols? Mongols. Yep, mavensandmongols.com. Mongols. Um, okay, cool. That's there. So I'll stick that in the show notes, guys. Listening out there, mavensandmoguls.com. Um, is that the best place for people to reach your page or? Absolutely. Yeah. It was one of my clients said she couldn't remember it one day and she Googled page and mavens and she found it right away. So I'm not that hard to find. I'm also on LinkedIn, page are not fan. Yep. So between the website and LinkedIn, you can always find me. That's perfect. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. What a conversation today about marketing and business and I think very relevant stuff for a lot of people listening. So um, check it out, guys, at thehiddenwide.com. Episode 1017 with Paige Unoffend. Thank you, Paige. Thank you so much, Lee. It's been a lot of fun. Cheers, guys. Check it out, hiddenwide.com. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels, using the icons on the platform that you're listening to, The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute or every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwide.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link and help support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check
check that out again at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there, breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything to a greater purpose. And in doing so, you will discover your hidden wire. This is the Hidden Wire. My name is Lee Mazzotti. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon.